0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts.
0: The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network.
2: And it's fair to say that this... Race week, which was meant to begin with a two-day prologue last weekend, hasn't gone entirely to plan, but we are just about now back on track after cars were a little late to the party. Um, We all know about the the world issues that can sometimes dent um, travel, particularly on the seas, but also sometimes elsewhere too. So, thankfully, all the cars are now here and have competed in a couple of days of prologue. And we've already had a full day of free practice sessions yesterday as well. FP1 and FP2, both for 90 minutes. This is the traditional 60-minute free practice three. And then the all-important qualifying session later on. Very much qualifying sessions, though, because, yes, we've got qualifying for GT and Hypercar, but then after each of those, the top ten will go into their own dedicated session, which is known as Hyperpole. And it's kind of copying what has happened uh, in the last few years at the Le Mans 24 hours and with great success as well that's proven to be a bit of a fan favorite so the top 10 from the initial qualifying will go into their own hyperpole sessions to set the front five rows of the grid, but that is later on today I'm Johnny Palmer by the way uh, keeping you company for the next hour or so, I'll be joined by John Hindoff along the way and then for racing tomorrow uh, we'll have Bruce Jones along for the party as well, so pretty much the full complement for the World Endurance Championship element of the RSL talent and fantastic to see the 59 McLaren out on pit road These are the two United Autosport cars that we need to become accustomed to. They've had to obviously find alternative fare after the demise of the LMP2 category in the World Endurance Championship at least. We will get LMP2s back for the 24 hours of Le Mans. Free practice one held entirely in daylight yesterday was topped by a Porsche from Penske Motorsport, the number five car of Matty Campbell, Michael Christensen, and Fred McAviki, it was a Matty Campbell time, a one forty-two point four eight six.
0: Good morning in the pit line, this is race control, one minute to open pit line for free practice three. I hope you can all read us loud and clear. Track is clean, track is dry, we removed all the gravel. Let's hope we can do a clean session without so many track limits as we had yesterday. Wish you all a good session, and please turn on Discord so that you can communicate with race control. And uh, it's somewhat
2: comforting, I think, to in this uh, world at the moment of change and uh, unpredictability, to have Eduardo Freitas as
0: seconds, our race director and,
2: and giving us the countdown to an 11 o'clock start. Then. Uh, I'll just run you through the order after FP1. It was Porsche from Ferrari, so the 51 James Collado-driven Ferrari was second fastest ahead of two more Porsches. Sorry, one more Porsche, but two very quick drivers within it, Kevin Estra seven, and Lawrence Van And eight, fourth fastest was the number seven, two Cadillac six, of Alex five, Lynn. Here we go.
0: Four, three, two, one. Pit exit is open. Free practice three has started.
2: So, free practice three is go, indicated by the green lights at the end of Pit Road. There was
0: a glitch with a light at Pit exit, but it's the beginning of the season. Let's take it like that.
2: Let's uh, give you a bit a bit of wriggle room, a little bit of slack at the start of what is set to be a rather long year. Qatar then in March, and by the time we get to the 2nd of November, we will be... Uh, at the Bahrain International Circuit in Sakia for round eight of the championship, having visited Italy, Belgium, France, Brazil, the return of Sao Paulo, uh, Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas and Fuji, Japan, a couple of months before that final race, which is an eight-hour race in Bahrain as it was last year. So, Johnny Palmer in the Global Broadcast Centre. Let's say good morning to John Hindhoff as the cars are released because it'll take a bit of time for decent times to start flooding through, John.
3: Good morning to you, JP. Good morning to all the listeners from the Media Centre here at the LaSalle International Circuit, where there is a, a pretty big press corps uh, that has gathered after the delayed, as you mentioned, uh, slightly delayed. Prologue, uh, but there's pretty much no seats left here to be taken. Our little broadcast position down towards the front on the right-hand side, with banks of screens above uh, and alongside me. I've got McLaren to my right. I've got Daily Sports car. Uh, I've got Sports car 365. Excuse me behind me, as well as uh, as Gary Watkins uh, from Autosport. So I'm a, I'm amidst I'm amidst motorsport royalty here. Um, I heard you talking there about the first free practice. Uh, FP2 last night mm. saw Kevin Estra be the first driver to go under 100 seconds with a one, a high 139. Nobody got near that. Uh, it's fair to say that the first free practice yesterday, JP, it was very, very windy indeed. Um, track temperature was up over 35. Uh, temperature in the mid-20s. It was a very pleasant 17 Celsius in the air when they went out last night and that clearly helped the Michelin tyres. There are uh, some changes to the Michelin tyres that make things easier for us in that the little lozenges that Kate uh, the uh, tyre compounds have been made much bigger. It's, a, it's more like a big rhombus, a stripe on the side of the car. Now, it, it doesn't really still show up when they are running um, because there's Michelin branding on there as well, which is white and blue and tends to, to blur it out a little bit. In the pit lane, it's much easier to see which compound of tyres. It's still uh, white for the softest compound, uh, blue for plu, blue. blue is for, uh, blue for, for rain, we won't be using those uh, this weekend. Um, red is the hardest and mellow yellow in the middle uh, is the medium compound and it's the uh, hardest and the next to hardest here uh, and whilst we're on tyres before things start coming in and trailing your heads to hypercar normally for the rest of the season whatever compounds uh, are allocated you would you get four extra tyres for uh, hyperpool and that would be the softest compound. Here, it will be the harder of the two compounds because they're they're, they're expecting uh, far more um, far more heat uh, on the track. Uh, the new BMWs yesterday evening, I think 14th and 17th in hypercar, not where they wanted to be. But talking to Vincent on Vos earlier uh, in the week, and the teams have been here. Some of the teams have been here for uh, a full week now, m- or more than that. Um, I, I think they're realising, JP, the enormity of the task that they have taken on running two different programmes at the world championship level. AF Corsa are doing the same, of course, but AF Corsa, are a much much bigger organisation, uh, running three hypercars and two of the 296s. Talked to some of the mechanics this morning from AF Corsa, from the from the GT LM GT3, as we should call it, because um, it is somewhat different from global GT3 and far more expensive come to that later on um, and they were really rushed they were one of the teams that didn't get their cars and they had it just over a day to do something that would normally took them to two and a half possibly three days to set up the garage and set up the cars so they've pulled some very long hours um, and I think they're quite pleased that they've got to this part of the week the good news for them is that they were quick. The cars rolled out of the containers pretty quickly, so they haven't had to do a lot of uh, work on the the cars themselves. If you're watching Timing and Scoring, and it is available uh, live from the FIAWEC, it's Alcamel once again, our colleagues who are doing that. Um, Live.fiawec.com forward slash en for English forward slash. And there's a variety ...of different uh, things that you can pick off uh, from that, uh, that particular page. I like to have the race control up because it shows the uh, people who were being naughty. And there were numerous, as you heard Eduardo mention. Um, a couple of ten-minute stop and holds earlier in the week. And I, I think race control's patience just basically uh, ran out... Uh, and there's, I think there's, there's, only one penalty still hanging over anybody, and that is for the Heart of Racing number 27, um, with Mancinelli, who has got a suspended drive-through. I hope you have you had a suspended drive-through? I'm not entirely Um it Has to go through the pit lane, six feet off the ground. Um, Speeding under yellows, it's suspended for the meeting, and um, provided he doesn't do it again, um, that will be cleared, although he has had one penalty point on his licence, uh, has that young man. So that is the only one that I can see that's hung hangover, is a hangover, uh, so nobody getting parked up for parts of this session, um, as I say, as far as I can see. Once again, go to Alcamel um, WEC, and you will be able to see the notice boards, and everything else as well just rolling out into the sunshine the number 63 which had a bit of a problem that ended up in the gravel yesterday and we also had the Isotta Fraschini who applied to change their name Um, but unfortunately it was too late so it will just be the entrance uh, is Isotta Fraschini they wanted to add something else to it um, but that wasn't allowed. Uh, they had a bit of an off as well down at turn six earlier in the week. But it's been, JP, remarkably uh, clean, hard tyres going on to the bright green SC63 Lamborghini. Remarkably clean um, for a circuit that is pretty demanding, pretty featureless. All the drivers telling me last weekend that it was really hard to learn this circuit, and it's quick and committed as well, particularly for the hypercars.
2: Yeah, I think one of the key things, and this to your point about tyres, is that there's a lot of constant radius corners, so it's really punishing on uh, particularly the the rear left, it being a clockwise circuit, so the sections at turns 12, 13 and 14, very, very fast, but you've got turn one where you're leaning on that left side an awful lot and through 16 as well, which is a sort of similar corner, but not quite as tight and crucial, turn 16 onto the main straight. You get 32 individual tyres for this race, that's 8 sets intriguingly no jokers Um, whereas you do get jokers for, for instance, the 8 hours of Bahrain and the 6 hour races as well but it's going to be 8 sets of tyres and no more and that's regardless of whether you're in Hypercar or LMGT3. LMGT3 still considered a Pro-Am category with Non pro drivers, kind of the the staple part of it, really, they're going to have to take part in qualifying the bronze rated drivers, exclusively bronze sessions later today for GT3. But you're going to have to really take care of those tyres. Whereas before uh, the AM categories within GT were given a little bit of dispensation and an extra set of tyres very often in the past, that's not the case in 2024. Slightly concerned about the pace of this Lamborghini which is late to join the session. The number 63 Lamborghini Iron Lynx as it's entered which is the SC63. Brand new car for Merco Bortolotti, Eduardo Mortara and Daniel Kvyat. And the car just struggling to get up to full speed but they've got 50 odd minutes to play with. And it's the number 5 Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 which is initially quickest... Uh, having set the time already to take it to the top, but we'll wait for more times, more meaningful times to come through in a short while. Uh, Daniel Mancinelli, you mentioned, he is from the heart of racing crew, isn't he? The Aston Martin Vantage AMR yes, LMGT3, yes, car number 27, yeah, sharing with Ian James and Alex Riberas. I think it's is it only Aston Martin that have got two different teams involved because the D station racing car no longer a TF Sport run machine that's exclusively D station racing but everybody else have two cars there, there are elements of pro drive in both of those garages
3: Fair there enough. are some faces that you would recognize yes. and i have recognized for partner um, racing um, have re uh, re-partnered is that a word it is now can um, be uh, yeah, renewed their partnership there you go um, they have renewed their partnership with um, with, with Drive to to help them run their car um, there has been a little bit of a change in D station because the boss is not racing anymore you'll notice his name um, is not
2: on the driver yeah Satoshi Hoshino yeah. is the guy isn't he but, but I, I did see his name perhaps penciled in for later on in the year. So I don't know whether it's just a, a date clash, which means he can't do this round. He but he's,
3: he's doing Japanese super J isn't he, in the gt 300s He's, he's concentrating on that. OK. Um, and another team boss, and, and th- this is a, uh, a really significant one, uh, Christian Reid, not taking part this weekend, which means that this is the first race in the modern FIA WEC era that hasn't had Christian Reid in it. Uh, He's been teasing us about whether he may or may not come back and drive the car that won through through the ELMS, I think it was, wasn't it, at Le Mans. Um, They've also got first reserve with their second Porsche 963, um, which he was talking to, Spotcar 365's John De Geese the other day, And saying if that does get in, they'll have to miss a couple of IMSA races um, to do that. Because they don't have the extra chassis that they were expecting from Porsche. So they'd have to miss Detroit before Le Mans, so they could get out for the test here. And they'd have to miss uh, Watkins Glen and the Searland six hours, which is the week directly after uh, this year so uh, he's sort of teasing us but he's also said there's no thought of him withdrawing one of the gt cars to get the hypercar in as he adequately explained to to john um why would i take out a car that people are paying me to run to put in a car that it costs me to run if if it happens we'll definitely do it um but we're we're not going to fiddle
2: that way around if you see what I mean. One guy who's very, very happy to be here in 2024 is Valentino Rossi in the Team WRT camp, not yet in uh, one of the two BMW GT3s so far, but uh, will be, I'm sure, later on in the session. There are rules that suggest you have to have taken part in some, at least, of free practice, whether it be yesterday or today. It's also crucial that, when we're dealing with a race that goes into nighttime hours, and sunset here will be just after half past five tomorrow, then you need to you need to have completed at least five laps during yesterday's session because that's the only one free practice that is held in darkness hours.
3: Also, uh, just he has c- already been out behind the wheel um, in the, the two earlier sessions.
2: Yes, oh. and I would have expected him to have completed those five laps in free practice too once uh, it started and the sun had set oh now there's a drama though for the number 59 McLaren which has found one of a number of gravel traps around the circuit this is James Cottingham in the 59 car and it's turn 5 and will be a red flag the clock will continue to tick by because it's a free practice session rather than a qualifying session but did he go off on his own very very wide coming out is that out of turn 5 then John? Yes, I think it is. It's out to turn five and down towards
3: uh, turn six, which is a slightly shortened uh, ter- run down to turn six for the cars rather than the motorcycles. There is only one lap record here because it's only been used for cars once, and that is Max Verstappen's one twenty four point three one nine from twenty twenty three. In twenty twenty one, the ru- the run on the slightly longer circuit, the motorcycle circuit, and I I, I can't find anything that would be um, appropriate.
4: Five. yeah copy that we just saw that interestingly that was much better in uh, in that first of the third gear corners you're just trying to carry a bit too much speed to get on the power
3: it was all going so very well until the, he went off is what the <laughs> bit radio is seeing basically so first red flag of this session then uh, jp
2: yeah and i mean hopefully it won't be out for too long uh, assuming that mclaren can be recovered relatively quickly and it remains to be seen what happens to the car if this was a qualifying session then james wouldn't be permitted to continue but uh, it might be that the car is put down onto hard standing and perhaps the car will be able to make its way back to pit road the risk with that of course is that the 59 mclaren then brings a load of gravel onto the racetrack and uh, to the detriment of, of everybody else. But the 720S gt 3 beautifully turned out by United Order Sports. We'd expect nothing less from the Yorkshire squad, the Anglo-American-owned squad. And um, obviously there are ties. I was hearing you mention this to Richard Dean in one of the prologue shows, John. There are ties with the McLaren mark, of course, through Zach mm. Brown. But um, actually, it's an entirely different um, operation, the GT3s, from... Grand, Grand Prix racing. Let's hear from Louise in the pit lane.
1: We see um, one of those is also going to be in the pit lane. It's not just with the teams and the drivers but also your pit lane interviewer. You've known me for many years since 2012 here in the WC and now I'm introducing Bruce Juani who's also going to be joining us. Bruce is going to share the pit lane with us here this weekend and then you'll see much more of him throughout the season while I step back. Bruce, hello.
4: Hello there. I'm so happy to be joining you guys and uh, yeah, first time for me in the WEC. The grid is absolutely amazing. Uh, I think I'll see you in Le Mans. We'll be together again which I'm looking forward to. Yeah guys, I'll be taking you up and down uh, the pit lane during the races and the weather's beautiful now. We're in Qatar and we're going to have a fantastic weekend so watch see you then
2: so a change of personnel um gradually it sounds like in pit road as this red flag continues but as i say this is eating into the session Mm. And there are cars that actually haven't joined the session so far. For instance, we haven't seen the number 77 Proton competition Ford Mustang, one of two brand new cars for this season. The, one of the Acodis ASP team Lexus for Arnold Robin has only done out and in laps, hasn't actually been across the line yet. And the same can be said for Klaus Backler's Porsche from Manti Pure Racing, number 92. So uh, they will be wanting. The session to resume as quickly as possible. Everybody else, though, instructed, of course, at much lower speeds to return to the pit lane as the McLaren is craned out of the gravel, John. Mm. Yeah, and the
3: GT3, LM GT3, brand new, as we've mentioned. And for the first time in uh, global GT3 competition, uh, they are being subjected to a a balance of performance uh, that is... Have been calculated in a very similar way to uh, how the hypercars are and the GTPs are in IMSA and the WEC, or in the WNC and IMSA, and I did them that way around. Um, that means that, again, it's all about the output from these cars, and the FIA and the ACO are at pains to, to talk about this and... Uh, basically talk about the equity of how it goes right the way through what it has done is added a lot of costs to the gt3s which are not uh, cheap cars to start with but talking to one of the uh, the gt3 actually talked to two or three of them um and a couple of them were prepared to put financial figures on and i've converted it back to pounds because that's how my brain works but we're talking in the region of 1.2 million million pounds extra for a WEC budget to have the the logging loom, the drive shafts with the torque sensors on, etc. Um, a huge amount of additional uh, costs to go in. Now, not all of these teams are manufacturer supported, and it's also coming in in the ELMS as well, um, and those cars run again at a much lower budget level and it will be i think interesting to talk to some of the, the teams
0: the pit lane car is back on track we are waiting for the car to come back to the pits to resume the session
3: james cottingham on his way back in the number 59 at mclaren at gt3 evo we're uh, we're dropping the numbers in in McLaren, because there's a, a new uh, road car coming out, and it won't quite uh, it won't quite tally uh, with that. The new cars are 750, and therefore it makes sense to just call it a GT3. And it, it's a racing car. It's a McLaren. And then you know we know what we're talking about. Uh, so that was one thing about the the BOP and uh, and GT3. IMSA are, are talking about doing a similar system. As well, we've also got the proposal that's been talked about a lot about this two-stage uh, BOP, which is all about acceleration and top speed, and uh, there, there there are tables for it within the the regulations. The GT LM GT3s are using it uh, this week, and
4: the can't them. Can you repeat this one? I said the seat belts are still the same. I can't loosen them.
3: Well, that's Jensen Button talking. Um, in the Hertz team Joseph. recognise his voice number
2: 38
3: uh, yep the mighty 38 Um, so as the the cars are back out again we've gone back green I'll just finish my thought Um, the two stage BOP for the hypercars again acceleration and top speed so it's up to 200k and over 200k Um, 190k being uh, again this weekend the deployment number for everybody and their EURs, their electric power, other than Persia who are at 150. Because um, they, they have a different rule for their different package and their different tyre sizes. Um, but they haven't gathered enough data, basically. So there's gaps in that table for the LM uh, H cars. And therefore, they want to gather more data and they will be looking to try and impl- implement that when we get back to Europe. Peugeot of course running and this is very important don't look for a rear wing on that Peugeot um, because it's not got one and it will not have one uh, this weekend uh, and the likelihood is that it will be on the car at the next round. Although talking to the team before it turned a wheel here on this very smooth and very fast circuit they acknowledge that they're Best outing with the current uh, version of the car, with the original version and concept of the car, Johnny was at Le Mans and mm-hmm. led like um, the race. Yeah, exactly. And the the problem is, and if you've listened to our preview, that John De Geese kindly gave us some time at the weekend, and and we went through car by car. He made the point that once you've once you've pushed the button and gone to the Evo, you can't then go back and have the previous version of the car so if they were to go at Imola or bar with the new version of the car with a vestigial rear wing um, to, to balance what they're losing the, the key is the rear wing will be balancing the downforce that they lose from the underfloor from running the wider rear tyres and if they do that then you can't have that car back for Le Mans so there's there would appear to be still some um, back and forth within Peugeot um, about whether they when and if they'll pull the push the button and whether that might even be the same car all the way to
2: Lamont. Mans so when you say you can't have the previous car back again that's as per the regulations you're saying the technical Correct. regs don't, don't, don't allow that so if you go to a quote unquote
3: Evo version or you change the, the version of the car if you remember Johnny you're not allowed different body kits on these LMHs and that would that's basically the same part of the regulations Mm. so if they if they pull the trigger and they put that rear wing on and they go to the bigger wheels i mean it's a big job they have been testing the car they've been struggling with balance on the new version of the car because it it moves uh it it, it moves weight and it moves center of pressure on that car quite
2: considerably and so there's still some work to be done and (laughs) Massive lockup for the Lamborghini, I'm spotting as it comes towards the end of the lap, and that is Daniel Kvyat
0: who. Yeah,
3: has actually gone off the track through the Mortal GP penalty loop. Yes. He went so far off. He'd have been asked to do that one again if it had been MotoGP GP. <laughs> didn't steer within the lines, in fairness. Yeah, it's non- you, you're right, JP. Once, once they've gone to the new version, they've got to stay with the new version. You can't swap and change as the circuits dictate. Um, more to come on on BOP by the way because um, we're going to have Thierry Bavere who if you remember did a cracking explanation for us at Sebring this time last year a little bit later on in the year a couple of weeks from now Uh, and he spent some time with us during the race, he's going to do the same, going to come and find us during the race, so at RSL underscore studio if you've got any questions for that, we've got the sharp end of 10 hours tomorrow and Thierry, who's head of the technical side of things for the SEO, has promised to pop in and give us not just an explanation, but the reasoning behind what they're doing with the, with the BOP. They've changed some of the nomenclature, which I think actually makes things more sensible, because then when they tell you that they are making adjustments to X, Y, or Z, you know exactly what they're talking about, whether it's uh, between the manufacturers, whether it's between... Um, the circuits, whether etc. etc. Et and, and they've cleaned up some of the language, um, and they've changed slightly some of the ideas that they, uh, or at least uh, refined some of the ideas that they put into place last year. But it's still about what comes out of the axle. Um, there is a little bit of results-based going on, but we'll let we'll let Thierry talk about that because otherwise we'll disappear down a plug hole. Um, <laughs> Yeah, interestingly um, just a quick note as well about Ford their um, news coming through that uh, Christian Reid's on squad will is to
4: follow Leafpeep and CLM to follow energy and then to set up
0: well the car regarding the car balance
3: that's the race engineer of Ferdinand Habsburg who hasn't stopped smiling since he knew he got the, the gig um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Christian Reid's Proton Squad have taken uh, a, a sp- an extra Ford Mustang to put into the European series, the uh, SRO series, um, including a full pro car for Spa, we believe. So Ford fans who were worried they weren't going to see a, um, a full pro car at Spa. Um, worry not, because uh, it looks like that is going to happen,
4: and Christian Reid's yeah, guys will pick up the slack. from the pit lane. You might have seen the, the red flag, which was caused by, by car number 59. And, and uh, yeah. just here, we're working out to put the car back. Actually, there's not so much gravels on the car uh, in the car, sorry, but the tires have been damaged, so we're actually changing damage over there. If you, I don't know if you can come with me. You can see some nice flat spots on the tires there that won't be used again or you're a bit far but yeah new tires and a change of driver and now it's uh, Costa who's just jumped back into car 59 ready to go and join back the track
2: and the good news is that these tires for free practice three and indeed one and two are not needed again for the race you get uh, 12 individual tires so uh, three sets for all of the free practice sessions James Cottingham had a little bit of warning that that McLaren was about to swap ends not exactly too much curb on the, uh, possibly on the inside of turn five, which then spat him out to the left-hand side of the circuit, and he was already all, all four wheels off the road. And there's uh, not as much grip on that painted concrete as there is with the asphalt to the right-hand side of the white line. So backwards into the gravel he went, but thankfully didn't hit didn't hit anything solid the 39-year-old bronze-rated driver who will be required for qualifying later on today. Mm. Let's just hear some team radio from Isotto Fraschini.
4: We'll start your driving now. Remember, push on the braking. Let's try to gently delay your braking phase.
2: So, some more driving advice there for Antonio Saraville, the Canadian silver-rated driver. It's Carl Bennett and Jean-Carl Vernet returning to Aco Rules Racing in that lineup. Remember, no restrictions for the driving lineup in hypercar. They've gone with two silvers, and then John Carl, who is a platinum. I
3: I think that's interesting, and they explained that earlier on this week. They said, "Look, we we know as the uh, literally the newest entry to LMH and and a manufacturer, of course, that's been absent from the world scene." in series production since the 1930s, that they they don't want to put too much pressure on themselves. This is very much a learning year, and they're bringing on some young talent. That's the idea, anyway. Uh, Jean-Carl Vanier has got a bit of experience, of course he has, but what they're doing is that you know they're not putting super hot shoes into this car because effectively I think what they're saying is we're still in a development phase remember they had a a change of team Vector did a lot of the early development work and then uh, we're not required on Voyage and Decayne have stepped in uh, to become the effective factory team and it's I, I think still work in progress is the word that I would use but interesting. JP that they've decided not to go for uh, highly skilled uh, drivers s- some drivers who could perhaps grow with the team with those two cylinders mm-hmm. um, Sara vale and, uh, and uh, Bennett
2: yeah and just looking back through the CV of Jean-Carl Verne he did run in the World Endurance Championship but that was way back in 2013 in the um, IMSA performance Matmut. Porsche, sharing with people like Raymond narak Marcus Palttala as well, was in that uh, in that 76 Porsche. Uh, Eleven years ago, number six is the one of two Porsche Penske Motorsport 963s. This car in the pit lane at the moment, but it's fourth fastest. I'll run you through the times actually quickly because we've had just over half an hour of the session. Earl Bamber's now fastest not done anywhere near as many laps as some of the other cars in the session but the blue fronted Cadillac has done crucially a 140.667 to put it uh, fastest by almost two tenths of a second over Fred Makoviki's number 5 Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 Fred's time of 140.847. Then the first of the two Hertz team Jota 963s for Will Stevens, car 12, third fastest, ahead of Andre Lotra, who's just rejoining the session now in the other Penske Motorsport 963, car number 6. First of the Peugeots is fifth fastest for Loic Duval, having done a 141.176. Then the 83AF Corsa Ferrari 499P, so that's the sort of extra Ferrari. For this year for Robert Kubica and one of the more familiar ones of Antonio Gio- Giovinazzi number 51, is seventh fastest. Eighth quickest is the 93 Peugeot of Mikkel Jensen. Ninth fastest, and yes, only ninth, is the number seven Toyota, the first of the GR010s in their new, principally black livery rather than the white and the red that we've become used to over many, many years. Mike Conway driving the number seven car currently. And then it's Miguel Molina in the number 50 Ferrari, who is 10th quickest. In LMGT3, the Vista AF Corsa Ferrari for Thomas Floor is fastest. His teammate, I would have thought, would have done the time, though, earlier on. At 155.017 for car 54, ahead of Claudio Schiavone in the number 60 Iron Links Lamborghini Huracan. It's a 150.2 for the Italian car 27 is the heart of racing team Aston Martin for Alex Riberas and the 155.3, the time there, the second of the Aston Martins for Marco Sorensen, the Seven D station racing Aston is fourth, ahead of the first of the United Autosports McLarens, number 95 for Nico Pino and Sarah Bovey is in sixth place in the number 85 Lamborghini Huracan, she's sixth fastest with a 155.9 just over 25 minutes to go and the familiar silver livery although more familiar on a 488 rather than a Ferrari 296 <laughs> that we welcome to the championship this year
3: and that's a heck of a you know that's a heck of a an effort from Vista EF Corsa uh, given that they were the guys that pretty much got their cars last we were talking earlier on about their Trials and tribulations the Vista jet colours in the sparkling silver and red car looks absolutely fantastic uh, when I was walking the pit lane on Sunday I think it was JP um, they just rolled them out of the containers and they were sitting at uh, 90 degrees to the pit lane and I, I glanced round and there was a moment and Please don't hate me for this, Ferrari lovers. Or in deep blue over lovers. I turned around and thought there were Ford GT40s. I thought there were Ford GTs. Just the way I, I looked around, at, and it's the colour scheme, how they break up the silver and the darker red. And I was like, oh, what are these? Oh, okay, yes, now. And then I saw Vista on the side, and I knew where I was. Uh, but we've got some sparkling colour schemes in. The uh, heart racing Aston Martin is in a, a satin blue. Uh, this year which looks absolutely cracking the McLarens as you might imagine have a lot of orange on them Uh, even though they're not officially works cars um, they are uh, privateer cars touched on this earlier on United Autosport basically had to um, put a proposal in to get uh, to see if they were going to be able to run uh, the cars and they Richard Dean admitting to me said you know we were up against teams who'd run the cars before uh, pure RXing in the pit lane with the white and highlighter yellow number 92 Porsche. Interestingly, on the uh, Le Mans entries, JP, um, they eschewed a couple of uh, uh, invitations uh, for, for them. They're running in conjun- con- conjunction with Manti, who are also running the car next door, the EMA car for. Uh, Yasser Shaheen and his teammates that's the one that's got the Bend sponsorship on but um, RX-ing pure RX-ing decided not to take up all of their potential Le Mans entries this year which I thought was was interesting
2: Mm. I'm sure there's thought behind it but um, yeah it's a possibly strange decision um, but there's a long time to go, I suppose, between now and uh, Le Mans. Speaking of Le Mans and the D-Station Aston Martin that we were many minutes ago, Satoshi Hoshino will be part of the championship, if you like, because he's only doing Le Mans. So he'll come ah. in for the Treble Seven yeah. D-Station Racing Aston. But otherwise, as you say, clashing commitments in his home country of Japan, GT300 as part of Super GT so it's Clement Matteur who is the bronze rated driver in treble seven otherwise uh, but Le Mans still double point scoring so that mm. may well take Matteur out of a, a championship challenge if you like because he won't have the chance to score points in France
3: you, you mentioned that Earl Bamber was top of the pops here in the Cadillac a singleton Cadillac this year there was some thought there might have been a second car um, it's, it's come down to budget as uh, Sarah Bovey has been told off in the Iron Dames car for abusing track limits um, there was some thought that there might be a second car it's budgetary, I asked head of GM's uh, endurance racing Laura Wantrup klauser about it uh, and she was happy to speak on, uh, on tape, it's not tape nowadays but you know what I mean um, on the record about it, and they would like to have another car, and yes, it would it would help them out. They will have extra car for Le Mans, of course. That's uh, something that we do know. The uh, but that car has shown good speed, and one forty point six six seven is um, is the top time at the moment, and and that is that car, and I, I'm I'm very impressed by that at this time of the day with the track temperature um, into the mid-30s Celsius, uh, which is a heck of a lot warmer than it was when Estra's time was, was clocked last night. Uh, we're into... This is race time tomorrow, don't forget. It is a Saturday race, so we're, we're not expecting to do the 1,812 kilometres. So we'll, we'll start... It's a little... The cars will roll a little before 11. Uh, here in in Qatar Um, and so that gives us what a 9pm finish it'll be very very dark by then (laughs) very very dark indeed the sun doesn't drop gently behind the horizon at this time of the year here JP it's like somebody has has thrown it down (laughs) from a great height it's 15 minutes and gone if you want the sunset shot the photographers say you have to work very hard for the sunset shots because they don't get many second chances. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine them uh, forcing their way to uh, wherever they are in the safer uh, zones for photographers. But it, it will be uh, a number of people deep, I would think. So you've got to be at the front mm. for that crucial. 15 minute segment at 17.37 is the official sunset time at least in Doha I'm trying to get it slightly more accurate but it's it's Uh, roughly roughly after half past five uh we'll be well that's the sunset there'll be a bit of gloaming after that um but we will have been racing for over six hours at that point and then there's another good three and a bit hours until race finish and as you say we'll be we'll be lucky to get to the 1812 kilometers it will be very nice because we had in the history of the 1000 miles of sebring didn't ever get to no. the 1000 miles it was always the eight hours that beat it
3: i'm now going to have to work that out aren't i so 1812 kilometers you talk amongst yourselves jp i've got a bit of um
2: you're trying to work 15. out how long it might be if if we actually stayed green throughout. Uh, how yeah. how long that would be? Yeah. Well, It should be just less than ten hours, but uh, depends. Oh, really? On. I would imagine so. So if you if up. you stayed green and you ran round, it's it, I would see a figure on it. It's something like 332 laps. It's north of 300 laps anyway. Um, and yeah, if, if that is ra- if that done at a roughly race pace throughout, um, it should be possible. But I still think it rather unlikely. Right,
3: so that's eleven hundred and twenty-five point nine miles. I'm going to call that eleven hundred and twenty-six miles. Uh, twenty-six.
2: Uh, cancel that. It's three hundred and thirty-five laps actually, and um, marginally. They call it the eighteen-twelve because that's the date of the Qatar National Day, the eighteenth of December. In actual fact, we'll be doing. If we do the full distance, we'll be doing just under 1815 kilometres. Mm. It's 1,814.75 kilometres because if you did a lap fewer than that, you wouldn't quite reach 1812. So, so what, what do you th- reckon is 335? 335 laps. Yeah.
3: yeah, I agree. I've just I, I do that 335 laps, uh, and that is um, obviously 33 and a half laps an hour, isn't it? So.
2: Mm. Yeah, I suppose Is that's e- an easy sum to do when you've got ten hours to play with. Mhm. Uh, and it's roughly speaking
3: a hundred seconds a lap. Uh, one hundred times
0: thirty-three.
3: Uh, like <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, yeah, okay.
2: Just Let's see, <laughs> possible three
3: thirty-five.
2: I mean. There's nice wide-open expanses if a car leaves the road here. However, as James Cottingham found out, there's also some gravel traps. And uh, if a car ends up there, there is very much the scope to, well, all manner of ways of heading a a race into a caution period this year. The full course yellow has been a long-standing way of nullifying a race. And that still is uh, uh, Eduardo Freitas and his team's disposal And if you go full-course yellow, which is counted into, you get a 10-second countdown into a full-course yellow, then that automatically closes the pit lane. We've also got Safety Car, of course, where the leader is picked up and the whole of the field gets bunched up as well. And Safety Car automatically closes the pit lane, at least for the first three laps. But brand new for 2024 and taken... I was about to say taken from Formula 1 racing, but really it's been taken from Creventic Racing and the 24H series, the virtual Safety Car... But the beauty of virtual safety car is that you can you can neutralise a race straight away. So if the track is blocked for whatever reason, I think it's going to be for more serious reasons than debris, um, then the virtual safety car is immediate, but will always be followed by a, a proper safety car as well. So sure, virtual yeah. safety car is the same speed, 80 kilometres per hour, but everyone is committed to slowing down to that as soon as they can, and I don't know what sort of margin you're given to slow down, maybe two or five seconds. Uh, Marshall boards will also display the VSC uh, initials together with yellow flags, but uh, it, it's an interesting addition to that, and we don't totally. quite know how it's going to work, John. No, uh,
3: but what it does mean, though, is I, I, I presume, and I've, I've read various parts of the regulations, but it, it does mean that it, after virtual safety car, the safety car will come out and pick up the leader now it 's going to be a heck of a sight easier to pick up the leader when he 's only doing eighty kilometers an hour um, then after two laps the uh, after two laps to VSC the safety car comes out and then everybody can take their their 80k limiters off and pack up behind the safety car um, but the pit lane remains open through those two laps so I, I think we 're going to see that used strategically JP because yeah. If you, can get, if you are just coming around and you can get a free pit stop, get in and out before the leader comes through, you'll be back in the line behind the safety car and closed right up again. Um, and then, of course, you'll have a safety car restart. There'll have to be the shuffling, make sure that no GT cars get caught the wrong side of the safety car and lose or gain a lap. But I, I do think that's an interesting strategical uh, little twist Here's some team radio from Rio Herikawa. Radio, tyre two,
4: tyre two, radio check. Tire two. Okay, info from Seb is to sacrifice entry for exit in high speed as to not overload front tyres. I would also suggest going softer on front anti-roll bar.
3: But it's still a little bit of uh, coaching going on. Amazing, isn't it, after all the running we've had, JP? They're, mm. they're, they're still really finding their way around this exceptionally quick... Uh, racing circuit um, if we ran without pit stops and green it would be just over nine and a half hours so add your pit stops times into that it would be pretty tight mm. so ten stops you know ten stops in, is it three minutes might be but it it would be actually nine stops probably um, but let's see we, we might get close to it uh, as uh, as we go into the darkness tomorrow evening I'm going to keep saying Saturday keep saying Saturday um, one of the things, this is the first time that we've, here at the, here at the track, or indeed anywhere, I've had the, the cameras set up, as ever. FP3 is the first time we see pictures all the way around the track. So we're getting a much better idea, uh, Johnny, about how this track is going to race. The drivers have, made, have said to me, um, almost to a man or woman, ...that they thoroughly enjoy the track as time attack, one lap pace... ...but they're not sure how it's going to race. Now, between GT3, LMGT3 and, uh, and the hypercar class... ...there's a decent uh, margin of performance... ...and a number of the drivers saying that the absence of LMP2 cars... ...and it's now GT3 rather than GTE... ...makes the GT driver's life a lot easier because you'll remember the old GTE cars, the Le Mans GTE cars were actually pretty quick and they'd slowed down the P2 so much that coming out of corners sometimes the GTEs were as quick if not quicker and would, would sort of be getting held up by the cars that didn't have, weren't travelling enough to make the downforce work because they also led a lot of downforce off those cars. So I think between class it will be um, not so much of a problem but within class, everybody is so close. I mean, last—I think it was last night, all of the hypercars were, were within two seconds. Um, it, it has been very much closer than I think anybody has uh, had expected. Uh, hard tyres on the number 50. The uh, works uh, car. All the F courses, the Ferrari hypercars, all run by F Corsa And... As was revealed to us, there's a, a huge amount of data going between those three cars. So there's, there's not any thought of, um, you're not copying my homework. Um, and they of course, are running all three of them. And Ferrari assisting in the running of all three of them. Um, although we can't think of that third car, the yellow car, um, in the World Championship. Because, it's, of course, it is in the Privateers' Cup. I'm not sure how Hertz Team Jota feel about that, or indeed Protop. Um, with uh, private air Porsches um, but it is in the the Cup rather than the World Championship uh, despite having two factory drivers and being run by the factory team <laughs> and the manufacturer but um, hey, great uh, Great to see another car uh, Robert Kubica and Orland, his long time sponsor, instrumental in that, also great to see the RCF um, for me the first time I've seen it outside of Imsa competition and in the the new for 2024 Toyota Gazoo Racing red white and black colours, which obviously is not going to get any uh, gain seeing from me being a Sunderland supporter. Uh, and it's gone all right for Akkodis, and they've been, I think, pretty happy from what they've told me about what's going on. The new car um, still over a season away um, at the moment. 25 perhaps at the start of the 25 season for the new car which they haven't decided what it's going to be called yet and they've got to launch the road car but uh, Toyota and Lexus work very closely together and in fact Pascal Vasselon, leaving uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing and the LMP programme he's gone to sit atop the pyramid of all Toyota's motorsport globally And So he's overseeing that as well as the rally programs as well. So a huge uh, amount of responsibility for Pascal Vassalot
2: And somebody else who's sort of switched from one side of Toyota's family to the Lexus side of it is Jose Maria Lopez as well. So Jose Maria Lopez in one of those two Lexus Uh, We've got a Japanese part of the driving lineup in Takeshi Kimura who's the bronze in the number 87 car and in the reverse of that number, number 78, we have Arnold Robin as the bronze, joining Timo Bog- Boguslavski and Kelvin van der Linde I was trying to work out a moment or two ago, which corner is massively affected by gravel now, just off the racing line, but it looks like there's gravel turn six OK, so gravel just it's... to the right of the apex. And as people just... They are obeying track limits, just, and keeping the left-side tyres. It's where the one of the two Hertz Team Jota cars, number 38, has just gone through. Uh, but obviously the right-side tyres are just ducking into that gravel and bringing quite a few of the stones onto the racetrack, which means... Yeah, that have a look at the tracker. That's going to be a problem when we get to racing tomorrow. If they are too abreast because you're lapping somebody... And you're going to be right through the stones there and risking potentially puncturing one of these uh, few tyres that you're given. Nicholas Nielsen on the team radio. OK, mate, in terms of pace,
4: we're happy with sector one and two on that lap. Two laps ago, there was a track limit T 15. Pace is on target. We like that. There is something on set on the steering wheel, I guess. It's not the EPS. Copy, we'll check after the session. It looks safe to you. We carry on. Four laps to go.
3: This
4: is safe, but the problem is we have a
2: lot of money here because it's also about the system. EPS. Electric power steering? Something power yeah. steering? Yeah.
3: what happens, JP, it's funny, uh, you get it sometimes on a road car. Um, and, and, and bizarrely, the only one of uh, the Hindorff fleet that I've ever had an issue with it on is the uh, it's the tw- it's the 2012 Seat Ibiza, Uh And it needs to be reset, otherwise your steering, sometimes your steering wheel is slightly out of kilter with waypoints, so it's not absolutely straight. And I've got to tell you now, it used to drive me mad um, if I'd changed the steering wheel on my cars back in the old days. When it was all mechanical, of course, if you, if you got your steering wheel slightly off on the splines, then straight ahead you were sort of cockeyed a bit. So you had to take the steering wheel off make sure your steering was absolutely straight and then put it back on again. With um, electronic power steering, of course, it's a motor, and it, it's, it's not directly connected um, in the same way. So you can get a little bit of, um, of waywardness, mm-hmm. is what it is. Now, that was the Cadillac just going through. So what corner is that? I think that is is six.
2: I'm just too far away from the tracker to
3: be able to read the numbers. I should have brought my binoculars.
2: Number Cadillac 20 BMW two. Uh, now into pit lane. We've got just under seven minutes to go. It's still that Cadillac that's fastest. Sebastian Bourdais now at the wheel. One forty point six six seven. So that's still the Earl Bamba time, which keeps it up there. But I've noticed. So I've noticed that uh, some of of the cars are actually going for longer runs, less so, you know, really quick times. For instance, Michael Christensen in that second fastest number five Porsche from Penske onto his 18th lap now. So they are doing almost the start of the race and uh, doing a replica of that uh, because this session started exactly the same time as the race will tomorrow. Correct.
3: Exactly so. Um, there has been an improvement in the LMGT3 times, Alex Ruperas, uh, about s- six minutes ago. So a couple of three laps ago, put in a 154.964 for the Hartle Racing Aston Martin Vantage. Uh, both versions of the new Vantage and the road car now officially shown. Although, of course, the GT4 uh, was being raced at Daytona by Rebel Rock Racing, Robin Liddell's team. And with Frank Depew, they ran it in that zebra camouflage colours, which went down so well, I'm not sure they're going to change it, actually, when we get to Sebring, although we'll find out uh, over on RS2 for our uh, coverage of that in, what, we're we're talking just under two weeks' time. It's the 16th of March, the mobile 112 hours of Sebring. So uh, it's Riberas for Heart of Racing ahead of two uh, Vista EF Corsa Ferraris. But barely. I mean, there's barely two tenths between the top three there. Then the Lamborghini of Iron Lynx Matteo Cresoni, uh, is behind the wheel at. Erwin Bastar is for D Station in the Triple Seven, in fifth, and the top six made up by the first of the Corvette Z06 LM GT3Rs, uh, and that is Charlie Eastwood now behind the wheel of the number 81 car, who has just crossed the line, and there, that's top six separated by well a 50 what's that a 54.6 to Charlie's 's fifty five three so you're talking seven tenths of a second there uh, on a lap for them that is just shy of two minutes and um, that's that's going to make life pretty tight to get into hyperpole. there is a normal qualifying session to come Johnny and we've got double duty really because we've got normal qualifying which will set the bulk of the grid but then As we've seen at Le Mans, the highly exciting Ipana Paul will be out on track with the top cars going for that coveted pole position.
2: Yeah, and and the difference with the qualifying format for the sort of bread and butter rounds of the World Endurance Championship is you only get 12 minutes in the initial session. So that's three fewer minutes than last year when we had 15 minutes for each of the categories. So you really can't afford to be messing around too much. There's no restriction on driver if you're in hyper car uh, for either of those sessions. But it is bronze only in LMGT3 for each of the sessions. I think it would have been more fun if you'd had free reign in the first and then the bronzes maybe had to do the hyper pole time. But they've elected Mm. to put all the responsibility on the shoulders of the bronze driver. Uh, You do get. It's not back-to-back, so they're staggered sessions. So it's Correct. GT3 followed by hypercar, and then you do it all again for hyperpole. So at least there is a moment and a pause for thought between each of those two sessions.
3: Very strict regulations about what you can and can't do between the sessions yep. uh, as well. Um, effectively, it's park-firm So, well, and, and of of... Removal from the hall of qualifying, so you would end up at the back of the grid if you break that quite a few teams submitting clarification requests to the rules committee and the uh, sporting regulations on the sporting regulations about that and again you can follow this' is the beauty of this you can follow all of that via the alchem WEC pages there 's a, there's a notice board on there that tells you who 's been naughty and who's had the fines or the stop and hold penalties at various sessions. Uh, And there is uh, a secondary part of that, which is technical bulletins, which also has the committee decisions. And the teams are allowed to ask questions. And and this is where you find out, you know, where those little grey areas are. And Johnny and I have been (laughs) reading through them and trying to work out what means what. Here's a bit of team radio. Yeah, coming. Sounds pretty good. That both pace and energy are really good. Keep going. We're going to hear that a lot about the energy consumption. That was Sebastian Bourdais. He's going to be... He's in the uh, revolving door seat, isn't he? In that Cadillac. as uh, he uh, He's going to be rotated in and out, I think, for the whole season.
2: Yeah, well, he's, he's probably quite used to that, though, isn't he? Because he's always been a busy boy and switching from, mm. from different championships, actually, to the next. And... Uh, I suppose wherever Cadillac tell him to be he answers the, the, the phone and gets on a flight and uh, is there and, and so such a I was going to call him reliable he's way more than that but um, doesn't need much time at all to adjust to a brand new circuit I would imagine this place is brand new to Sebastian Bourdais, but he's getting more and more used to it and uh, also how the track evolves because I'm still concerned about all of that gravel I think he's at turn 9 actually and so it's the it? end of the sweepers and that's a very fast section of circuit. Once you've gone through the right-hander at seven, eight, and nine are very fast corners indeed. And then you get on the anchors again to head through turn ten. I heard you chatting to some of the Porsche Penske Motorsport drivers during one of the prologue shows, saying a lot of this track just all looks the same, yeah. <laughs> even from an onboard. And it was Lawrence Vantour who said he's had to look about twenty laps uh, of, of onboard footage to um, fully understand where he was before arriving here it's entirely different when you actually get to drive the thing in reality I would imagine but Sebastian Bourdais still in that fastest car, still the time has not changed though, so not his time, one forty point six, but Earl Bamber I reckon setting that earlier on in the session for car number 2 and still 0.180 of a second clear of not 1, not 2 but 3 Porsche 9.63s, the 5 car from Penske is second fastest, the Hertz Team Jota number 12 car is third quickest, and then the second of the Porsche Penske Motorsport cars is uh, fourth, car number six, and one of the first cars, in fact, to cross the line mm. and see the chequered flag, so it'll be no faster than fourth position, but I actually think for a lot of teams, particularly in hypercar, the priority there was longer runs in free practice three
3: Yeah, that they, they want to gain some data this will be the first hour that would have been the first hour of the race tomorrow and um, so that's effectively your first stint isn't it you'll you'll be getting hopefully through the shenanigans of the, the start of the race and getting a nice clean 60 minutes under your are uh, the uh, Michelin or Goodyear tyres I did notice there was a little bit of damage to the number 63 lamborghini iron links hypercar eduardo mortaris just gone across the line in that they were asked to repair one of the door mirrors on that and whether that was contact or it just rattled off the curbs really interesting here um because it's a motorcycle circuit most of the curbs are pretty flat but not all of them which is why the uh, necessity for a, a a track walk here was probably even more important than ever. A, because it's a a, a new track. But B, uh, because there are those differences. I think he's spot on, by the way, Johnny, with that gravel outside of the kink at turn nine before the left-hander, uh, the tight left-hander at 10 leading into that much more. It's almost like it opens out from 10 to 11. It's in the middle, that tricky middle sector, which is all very much has to be thought of as a single run. And, and that's, I think, what the drivers are, are thinking about, how it will race. You get st- you get stuck behind a slower car there, and that's going to be difficult mm. to get past. It's, it's not quite a single line right now, but we'll have to see what the, the track, how it cleans up. Uh, and by the way, I think I, I said earlier on at turn six, it's the penalty loop for the motorcycles. It's not actually... Turn 6 is, is the motorcycle track. It goes a little bit further down and adds... Um, it must add about 16 metres or something like that to the track because it, it's 5.34 from memory. Um, um, 5 kilometres, 4.18 we've got here, and I think it's 430, 4.34 for the, the motorcycle track should have wrote that down I should have written that down somewhere that would have been really useful still can't have everything at my age um,
0: let me have a quick look
3: yeah I was reminded no, myself of that uh, yes just a tiny little bit longer oh no it's a bit longer than I thought actually for motorcycle
2: let's grab a word with Alex Lynn in the fastest car after the free practice 3 session
1: session to be fastest
2: to be honest I think even from the prologue and even yesterday we've been feeling strong obviously I know there's a lot of
4: other teams are looking good as well but you know actually our our Cadillac's really feeling good around this circuit the
2: fast flowing corners I think really suiting us Uh, so yeah fingers crossed we can uh, capitalise that now from but when it matters
1: I'm looking forward to qualifying because, of course, we've got a different setup this year.
4: Yeah, no, I, I'm going to enjoy it. I think uh, I like the hyper pulse kind of sessions, and uh, yeah, brings a lot more excitement. And yeah, I like a bit of qualifying.
1: Uh, who will be qualifying? Myself. Okay, good. Glad I asked.
4: Yeah. yeah, no, it should be fun. Should be fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you
2: would have been massively disappointed for him to say, I love qualifying, I love qualifying, but it'll be Bourdais doing it. Uh, <laughs> no, it is Alex Lynn due the to qualify, the ra- qualify for the race, it sounds like, for both sessions as well. So the Cadillac number two fastest with a 140.667 from Michael Christensen's Porsche 963, car number five. And there are three 9.63s in a line there because the Hertz team Jota car, latterly driven by Norman Natto, was third fastest, car number 12, and then the six Penske example, uh, fourth quickest, then the best of the Peugeots. Paul Resta had brought that car in at the end of the session. Car number 94 for fifth fastest. Robert Schwarzman in the AF Corsa Ferrari 499P number 83. Sixth quickest, ahead of the two, in inverted commas, factory cars. Well, one it was seventh, the 51 car. You have to look down to tenth, though, to find the second of the more familiar 499Ps that we had all last season as well. So 51 faster than the 50 car, but wedged in between. Between those two uh, factory Ferraris, the 93 Peugeot, eighth quickest for Nico Muller and Kamui Kobayashi in the better of the two Toyotas. Toyota number eight down in 17th position and Rio Hirokawa was receiving some advice from his engineer regarding the setup of that car. I just wonder whether they're keeping their powder dry for the time being and we'll see a bit more Toyota pace when we get to qualifying in LMGT3, Alex Riberas in the Aston Martin from Heart of Racing team was fastest, number 27, ahead of the two Vista AF Corsa Ferrari 296s of number 54 and latterly Francesco Castellacci. The 55 car was third fastest ahead of Matteo Cressoni's number 60 Iron Links Lamborghini Huracan. Uh, Erwin Bastar in the D-Station Racing Aston Martin Seven was fifth fastest. And then a TF Sports Corvette Z06 for Tom van Rompuy in number 81 was sixth fastest. I have concerns about the number 77 Proton Competition Ford Mustang, though. I saw Ben Barker getting out of that car after only about 20 minutes gone. It only did a single lap in that session. And there were some concerned looks from Ryan Hardwick at various points. So... All not quite well with one of the brand-new Mustangs. The other one uh, for from Proton managed to finish, well, in 15th position. And Dennis Olsen was the driver to bring that one in car number 88. So they'll still be learning an awful lot about that Ford Mustang. And Ben said to you, didn't he, during the prologue, that actually they're not concentrating on anything more than this race and yes. trying to retrieve as much data as possible from it.
3: Reliability, getting to understand the car. Look, it's not as if they haven't been testing. They have, but there's a big difference between testing on your own on a circuit and everything going well. And you know, you try and break things when you 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 are bringing a new car uh, to a world championship. Uh, They've got a little bit of data from what they've found out at at Daytona. How relevant that is to a super billion table smooth circuit here in the heat of the uh, desert in Qatar, I'm not entirely certain um, I think you'd also have to say that the the BMW hypercars, they'll be hoping for Team WRT 14th and 15th and behind the Alpines, um, Mick Schumacher doing a decent run I noticed there uh, for the alpida endurance team, uh, number 36 he's in as well, and Uh, as i say i I think that might be a little bit of a disappointment for for bmw uh, because that car has been running for a full year of all the quote-unquote newcomers jp alex
4: uh, first round of the season the car seems to be working very well the 24 uh, version of the aston martin how did it go so far have you shown anything everything yet or not
2: yeah absolutely
4: Uh, i mean it's an absolute pleasure to be here in the first round of could be one of the most uh, exciting uh, WEC seasons so far uh, with so many different cars and a new class the GT3, LMGT3 that seems to be so competitive with so many cool cars out there and many different potential winners. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be a small part of, of what is a, a dream come true in terms of a, of a championship. The, the weekend so far has gone very well for us. Uh, problem free, but you know, touch wood because it's still, uh, still a long way to go. Ready for quali? Well, yeah, Ian is going to do quali, but the car is ready. Ian is ready, and uh, we'll look forward to, to see if we can make it into the Hyper Bowl and hopefully have a good starting position for for tomorrow. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you.
3: Part of racing, Ian James, loving his life at the moment, did over 30 events last year. What do you take out of that, then, JP, other than what we've we've mentioned who's, who's had the best of it who's had the worst of it there uh,
2: I, I think the smiles from Alex Lynn were genuine there they do feel like mm. they've got a quick car uh, they're up against it to a certain extent with just the one Cadillac V Series R versus uh, all the other hypercar teams with two with the exception of Isotta Fraschini um, but, but I I think Toyota were showing absolutely nothing uh, in that in that particular session. And uh, they will be the benchmark still, I think, for everyone to be measuring themselves against. But however, you know, Ferrari will have found a lot of pace after a full season last year. Likewise, the 963s, particularly the Porsche motorsport examples. But, I mean, it's so tricky to work out who's going to be, well, even featuring in, in hyper pole. You know, which are the the 10 cars of the 19 in hypercar that will get into the session? I think the only way to find out is to to join us later on, John.
3: I've enjoyed that. Uh, It's been interesting to see the cars uh, all out together and all the way around the circuit rather than just sort of sticking my nose over the uh, edge of the pit lane and seeing what's been going on. Uh, Next time, JP, it all gets a bit serious.
2: Yeah, we'll be on air 10 minutes before the first session, which is due to start at 4 o'clock Arabia Standard Time. So 3.50 if you're in the vicinity of Doha or the Los International Circuit. That is 12.50 GMT because it's plus three in this part of the world. And yeah, it's going to be... Over an hour's worth of qualifying with Mm. initial 12 minutes for everybody in each of the classes. And then the top 10 from both LMGT3 and uh, from Hypercar will then go into the brand new format of Hyperpole. It's all going to be live here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. You can join John Hindhoff and me, Johnny Palmer, for that a little bit later.